0: I'd like to speak a little bit about the joy of seclusion or the happiness associated with concentrated states. Beginning with a poem by Rayokan. It is not that I never mix with men of the world, but really I'd rather amuse myself alone. I think that's a sweet little poem. (laughs) Because the joy of seclusion is a wonderful joy. Classically, this refers to the happiness that's associated with four deeply absorbed states of concentration called the four jhanas. And each of these states of the concentrated mind are characterized by intense rapture, bliss, happiness, equanimity, and peace. Each concentrated state is characterized by a distinct combination of factors, a distinct kind of happiness. And these happinesses are not sensual pleasures. The first jhana, the first absorption state, is described as the joy that is born of seclusion or the happiness born of seclusion. The second jhana is described as happiness born of concentration. And the third jhana describes a kind of happiness that is associated with both mindfulness and equanimity. The fourth jhana describes a deep, sublime peace of equanimity. The rapture, pleasure, what in Pali is called piti, along with the happiness, contentment, what in Pali is called sukha, develop very naturally with concentration. Rapture serves the function of refreshing the mind, refreshing the interest in the object. Sukha suffuses the mind with comfort and ease. Piti Sukha as a combination, as we find them described in the first jhana, generally feels quite good, at least at first. I mean, it usually feels like, oh, thank goodness, something's finally happening. (laughs) And we feel happy. But after a while, it can also feel a bit agitating. Traditionally, this sequence of four concentrated absorptions lead the meditator through successively subtler forms of happiness, of pleasure, until we abide in the deep, equanimous states that are characterized by this profound, neutral feeling, this deep state of ease and stillness, profound stability of of mind. And from this deep equanimity of the fourth jhana, then four additional concentration states follow that are characterized also by equanimity as the feeling, but are increasingly sublime in their quality. Not because the feeling tone changes, it's still equanimity, but because the object becomes more and more refined, the meditation subject is more refined. And these meditative subjects include what's called the base of infinite space, the base of infinite consciousness, the base of nothingness or emptiness, and the base of neither perception nor non-perception. This sequence of eight attainments, the four basic jhanas, creatively named 1st Jhana, 2nd Jhana, 3rd Jhana, and 4th Jhana, and the four immaterial states of infinite space, consciousness, etc. These really are the kind of meditation that can bliss one out. And now you sit in such sublime states of happiness and joy that there's no impetus to move at all, no agitation, no restlessness, nothing to disturb it, not even a thought to disturb the profound bliss of abiding with a concentrated mind. Now, I don't want to describe or get too sidetracked about the absorption states of jhana, because this really is a topic unto itself. Although a few people have already approached me with questions about jhana, and certainly the concentrated states are an important one for cultivating profound happiness. But I have written extensively on the subject, I teach regularly about concentration and jhana. So I want to sort of mention it rather simply at this point and refer you to my books. (laughs) Focused and Fearless um, um, uh, uses the breath as the primary object and describes the methods and the character of attaining the first four jhanas using the breath as the object what's called anapanasati samadhi concentration due to mindfulness with breathing it also includes how to use the concentrated mind for insight and also the four absor- the four formless states the four um, these arupa or immaterial abidings wisdom wide and deep is the more advanced text It includes a chapter that covers focused and fearless, (laughs) as Anapanasati Samadhi, and how to um, develop mindfulness with breathing, but it also includes the 40 objects that are taught in the Theravada tradition, how to attain absorption using other meditation subjects like the elements and... um, uh, the Brahma-viharas, the love and kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity, how to take those into absorption, into jhana, how to use um, body contemplations of parts of bodies or skeletons. They're a little um, uh, rarely practiced in the West, but they're actually very interesting and beautiful practices, as well as the color casinas and the element casinas. And the first half of that book describes the development of samadhi and concentration using a whole variety of objects. And then that book develops into the use of the concentrated mind, the applying of the concentrated mind towards insight. And the first thing we look at with the concentrated mind is the nature of the body. And that book develops how to do um, practices based upon the body of the four elements and how the body um, can be known very clearly with the precision of a deeply concentrated, sharpened, clear, stable mind. And how to understand how perception and consciousness work, how the mind functions, how do we know things, what are called the cognitive processes, basically how when a taste impacts the sensitivity in the tongue, how it is known. Are they, is it a wholesome state, an unwholesome state? How do we cognize things? How do we know things? And so this is all explored in great detail. There's even charts. <laughs> and, then, um, and then once we've really understood how to work with meditation objects in a mode that takes the mind into absorption, or in a mode that sees the arising and passing of impermanent mind and body, matters of mind and body, the constituents of mind and body, basically the yeah how we know things and all the parts of, of mind and mind and matter that go into cognizing anything. Then we start to use those objects for insight. What is insight practice? Insight practice helps us to uh, contemplate, all-changing phenomena as impermanent, unsatisfactory, and not-self. And that leads us through a progression of 16 stages of insight that lead and result in the realization, the direct realization for ourselves, not as theory, but as a life-transforming realization of deep and abiding peace, the realization of Nibbāna. So those are all subjects unto themselves. Today's topic is just happiness. Oh, so simple. (laughs) But I would encourage you, if you're interested in exploring this, to please do uh, check out the books. And I'm only teaching one one retreat that's oriented towards the development of concentration and jhana in California this year. And it's on the fluorescent green flyer, and it's in the middle of June in Santa Rosa. So if you're interested in exploring concentration in this mode towards exploring um, uh, the samadhi states, then please do um, investigate the possibility of attending that retreat. It would be lovely to have you. That said, let's meditate. But this time, I'd like to focus the meditation using the basic first instruction of Anapanasati Samadhi, concentration due to mindfulness with breathing. So please allow the attention, as always, to settle into the body sitting, to give wise attention to the posture, to feel the points of contact with the floor and the seat, to basically know where you are, to know your body as it is. Feel the breath moving in the sitting posture. You'll notice that as you're feeling the breath, You're actually feeling something that is other than breath, aren't you? What do we call the breath there when we're feeling the breath moving in the body? Often it's pressure, tingling movement, hardness, softness, changes of heat and cold, vibration. Often a lot of pressure and pushing as we feel the belly rise or the ribs expand and the changing sensations as the belly retracts. Now, I wanted to mention these sensations, the direct sensations of hardness and pushing, of pressure and heat, because that is usually what we observe when we're doing Vipassana practice. We must hold the breath as a meditation subject in a very different way to allow the mind to absorb into the stable states of jhana. Because the jhana states have no awareness of the body whatsoever. When we are in in an absorption, we are absorbed with our object to the extent that no other sensation arises. No sound penetrates. No thought arises at all. Imagine that. That's why they're so peaceful. That's why they're so pleasant. And so we must relate to the breath in a different way. And so for this meditation, I will encourage you to observe the breath first at the area of the nostrils. Now, for the first few breaths, you might feel the breath there. Again, this sensation is the wind element and will not be the object that we will use for the meditation. But sometimes I think it's helpful to get there. It makes us honest. It keeps us honest meditators. Are we really focusing in this area or not? And then we let the attention rest, observing the breath, the basic occurrence of the breath. Perhaps we could say the basic fact of the breath. just off the body. Not the skin sensations of tingling, not the pressure inside the nostrils, not the flaring of the nostrils on the in and out, not the pushing and pulling of the breath in. No, we let all of those settle And we just bring the attention to know that we are breathing in, and we are breathing out. We are mindful of the fact of breathing. And we are directing our attention to the place that this breathing occurs in the area between the nostrils and the upper lip, just off the body. So we have a place to direct and sustain our attention. We have a focal point. But what we are knowing as the object of the meditation is the basic occurrence of the breath. So we might know the length of the breath, that it's a long breath or a short breath. But we are entirely unconcerned about a tingle, a pressure, a coolness, a heat that might occur in the course of the breath. And we bring our attention to this area in such a way that we observe the whole breath from the beginning of the inhalation through to the end of the inhalation, directing and sustaining our attention on that breath many times in the course of an in-breath. And then through the course of the exhalation, we are again focusing our attention repeatedly or consistently, giving our attention, resting our awareness in this knowledge of breathing. In this approach to concentration, our duty is only to the breath. If sounds or thoughts or sensations pull at attention, as much as possible, we just let them fall into the background, and we give our attention again to the breath. It's likened to being um, an at the. A gatekeeper in an ancient city whose duty it is is to be positioned at the gate, observing anybody who enters or exits the city gate. It is not that gatekeeper's duty to follow the merchant into the marketplace and to see what he's selling and how much he's getting for it. Nor is it that gatekeeper's duty to follow the merchant when they leave the city and go to the next village and find out where they're going to next. It's the gatekeeper's duty to guard the gate and to know everything that enters and exits the city. Similarly, in this approach to meditation, we position our attention at the gate, the nostrils area, the upper lip area, and we observe the breath as it enters and exits the body. But the breath is our object right there. We do not follow the breath into the body to feel how it expands the chest and belly. Nor do we follow the breath out and contemplate it as I don't know, whatever it is, as an external breath. We just observe it occurring just off the body. Let the effort be relaxed, diligent, ardent, yes, committed to the breath. But we don't need to grab a hold of the breath or force ourselves upon the breath. We simply behold the breath. We let the attention settle into the breath. It's a full but relaxed quality of effort, a profound release into into the breath as the object. If you find that the mind is quite willing to observe the whole breath, then please simply continue directing and sustaining the attention on the breath, cultivating these two jhana factors, the directing of attention, vitaka, and the sustaining of attention, vichara, will develop the capacity to experience these profound states of absorption. But if you find the mind wanders off, then perhaps a little bit more activity, giving the mind just a little bit of something to do, can help. And so the tradition encourages... Counting of the breaths as a preliminary practice when observing the whole breath is difficult. So we shouldn't always count. But if you find the mind is sluggish at this time of the day or restless, then experiment with a little bit of counting, breathing in and breathing out, directing the attention to the breath at the area of between the nostrils and upper lip, and count the breath, one. Then breathe in and breathe out, count two. Always directing the attention to the breath as the object and letting the count be secondary. There are many ways to count. I recommend counting from one to ten, and then backwards from ten to one. then again from 1 to 10, and then backwards from 10 to 1. By limiting it to 10, if we find ourselves at 13 or 14, we might realize that we lost mindfulness, (laughs) even though we were still counting. And if we lose mindfulness at 2 or 3, no worries. If we still remember what number we were on, we can pick up there or just begin again at 1, It's not a competition. It's just a skillful means to help direct the attention to this experience of breathing. We're learning how to hold a meditation object as simple as the breath with a mind that is steady, that is steadfast, that is stable.